Genesis chapter 38 verse 1. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. 2. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. Judah, who I think he's the fourth son of Israel, from him all the kings will come. So he is the prince of the of the kingly tribe, the royal tribe. From him is where the lineage of Jesus Christ is going to come as well. It looks like he married a Canaanite. Now, I want to explain something about lineage in the Bible, and you're going to see this every single time in the Old and the New Testament without fail. You're either a Jew or an Israelite or a Hebrew if your father is. It doesn't matter if your mother is or not. That's why the lineage of Jesus Christ is traced through the fathers, not the mothers. In the Bible, sometimes Jewish men marry women who are not Jewish or not Israelite or not Hebrew. And that's okay because their children, all of their children, are still going to be Jewish or Israelite or Hebrew. If a man who's an Israelite marries a Canaanite woman, all of the children will be full-blooded Israelites. Now, if a Jewish woman marries a man who is not an Israelite or Jew, then her children will not be Israelite or Jewish, even though she is. And that's how it works. So this is important to note because... For the last 400 years of world history, the people who control Israel, I guess, have said that you have to trace your lineage through your mother. Well, this is the exact opposite of how God commands that we trace it. So that means that for the last 400 years, a lot of people who have been tracing their lineage to say that they're Jewish have only traced it through their mothers, which means basically they're not Jewish. They can't be. If at any point in the line, one of those mothers married a man who was not Jewish, then that breaks the lineage and that person isn't Jewish. So that literally means that today there is a bunch of people in the world who think they're Jewish and they've been told their whole lives that they're Jewish, but according to the Bible standard, they're not. And this also means that because people have been tracing their lineage through their mothers for the last 400 years, there's a lot of Jewish people in the world who don't know they're Jewish. Pretty interesting, huh? That means you could be Jewish and not know it, or your neighbor. I just wanted you to know that. And you're going to see consistently throughout the entire Bible that it doesn't matter who the father marries. If he's Jewish, all of his children are Jewish. Or same thing if he's Israelite. So here is Judah marrying a Canaanite, but all of Judah's children are going to be full-blood Israelites. Now, we left off last chapter with Joseph getting sold by his brothers to go to Egypt. And at this point, the Bible wants to turn and focus on Judah for a little while and talk about his story. Because Judah is the tribe from which Jesus will come from. So Judah's story is very important. But then it'll go back to Joseph again. So don't worry, you'll get to find out what happens to Joseph. But I also wanted to use this time to tell you another thing. You know how Joseph's brothers were really jealous of him and envious because he was his father's favorite? Envy in the Bible is a sin, and anytime somebody is envious, it's irrational. 
not only is it a sin, it's also irrational. Because people who feel envy never have a logical reason to feel that way. Their lives are just as good as the people who they envy. Every bit is good. But Satan has blinded them so that they can't see their own blessing. And they think that somebody else has a better blessing, and it's just not true. Judah was one of the brothers who envied Joseph. But what Judah didn't realize is all the kings of Israel are going to come from him, not Joseph. Sure, Joseph was his father's favorite, but Jesus Christ was going to descend from Judah. Same thing with Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. He didn't have any reason to be envious of Joseph, who was the eleventh born son. You see how irrational envy is. So if you've ever felt envy, I just want you to know that it, whenever you feel that, you're you're feeling a totally irrational, illogical, unfounded emotion. And on top of that, it's also sin. So just reject it and move on in joy and realize all the blessings that you have because your blessings are every bit as good as other people's blessings. They're not less, they're just as good. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons and that literally means that God does not play favorites. He loves everybody the same. Now, Israel did have a favorite, but he wasn't God. God had no favorites between the 12 sons. God loved all 12 sons exactly the same. So there was no reason for any of those sons to be envious of Joseph. But because of their own sin, they missed out on blessings. But if they had resisted envy and rejected the feeling, they would have had a lot better things happen in their lives. For instance, Levi, who was, I think, maybe thirdborn, from him comes the priestly tribe. So all the priests of Israel are descended from Levi, and that's something to be really happy about. John the Baptist was descended from Levi, and so was Moses. Levi was blessed too. And if anyone's ever been envious of you, they were being massively irrational. They had a lot to be joyful about, but they just couldn't see it. So anyway, we're going to find out more about Judah now. 3. And she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Er. 4. And she conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. So Judah named the first son Er, and the Canaanite woman named the second son Onan. 5. And she yet again bore a son and called his name Shelah, and he was at Chezib when she bore him. So Chezib is a town. So now Judah has three sons. 6. And Judah took a wife for Er his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. So now Judah has a daughter-in-law who's married to his oldest son, Er. 7. And Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. So God actually killed Er young, because Er was so evil, God was just done with him. Evidently, Er was not going to repent. So Er is dead. 8. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her, and raise up seed to thy brother. Judah is telling his second-born son to have sex with the first-born dead son's widow, so that she can have a son, and it will be raised as if it's the firstborn son. This goes back to the whole thing about how valuable children were and how children not only made the family more wealthy, but they also provided for the widow in her old age because 
the way women were taken care of is when you're young, your father takes care of you. When you get married, your husband takes care of you. And when your husband dies, your firstborn son takes care of you. So there's always somebody to take care of the woman. But say she's an orphan, then no one's going to take care of her as a child. If she never gets married, then no one will take care of her when her father dies. If her husband dies and she doesn't have a firstborn son, then no one will take care of her when her husband dies. So this is why women became poor and destitute if there was any kink in the chain. You know what I'm saying? So Judah is telling his second son, it's your duty to go have sex with her because that way the son will belong to your dead brother and that son will keep your dead brother's name alive and help the family prosper and then she'll have a son. So that's why Judah told his second-born son to do this, to basically take her as a wife. Nine, and Onan knew that the seed would not be his. So that means Onan knew the child is not going to be his. His child will be considered his dead brother's child. So it won't be his prosperity. It'll be for a dead brother. And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground lest he should give seed to his brother. Now, this is kind of graphic, but it means that he ejaculated outside the tent before he went to do his duty so that that way he couldn't get her pregnant because he didn't want to give her a child that he wouldn't prosper from. So he was pretending to obey his father, but he wasn't really obeying his father. He was making sure that she would not get pregnant. 10. And the thing which he did was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he slew him also. So now the Lord has killed two of Judah's sons because they were both evil. What was evil about 11? Then said Judah to Tamar his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in thy father's house, till Shelah my son be grown up, for he said, Lest he also die like his brethren. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Now Judah is sinning too, because Judah thinks it's Tamar's fault, and it's not. God killed his sons because his sons were evil. But Judah thinks that they died because they were married to Tamar. So he tells her, Go back to your own father's house, which is evil to begin with, because it's she has already come into his house. She is his responsibility. She already got married, so her father is not responsible for her anymore. But Judah is sending her back to her father wrongfully. Because normally the only reason you send a woman back to her father is if she has fornicated and sinned against her husband. So she's being wrongfully sent back. And he's also lying to her because he really never intends to let her marry his third son because he thinks that if she marries his third son, that his third son will die. So he's going to just let her stay a widow the rest of her life and hope that her father takes care of her when she isn't her father's responsibility, disregarding the needs of an innocent woman. 12. And in process of time, Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, died. And Judah was comforted and went up unto his sheep shearers to Timnah, he and his friends Hira the Adullamite. Now Judah's wife is dead. Judah is a widower. His daughter-in-law Tamar is a widow. And he has sent her to go live with her father basically forever. He's treated her wrong. He's denied her a source of income. And he's denied her a place in the family that she already deserves because she was married to his son. So he decides to go up to watch the sheep in a different area named Timnah. 13. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnah to shear his sheep. 
14. And she put off from her the garments of her widowhood and covered herself with her veil and wrapped herself and sat in the entrance of Enim, which is by the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up and she was not given unto him to wife. Tamar knows that she's never going to be given as a wife to the third son. She's figured it out because Shelah grew up and his father never gave him to Tamar. So she comes up with a way to get a child. She knows that he now, her father-in-law, is now single. So she takes off her mourning clothes and she is dressed up like a harlot, dressed in disguise. And she goes up near the town that he's with a sheep at. And she sits out where the prostitutes would sit. 15. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, for she had covered her face. 16. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Come, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee, for he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? As we've discussed before, the sons of Israel have really bad character, except for Joseph. So here Judah is after he has failed to raise his own sons correctly so that they're so evil that God would kill them. Now he's treating the widow of his first son wrongfully. He's making it so that she's going to be destitute forever and it's not her fault. And now on top of all of that, he thinks he's going to sleep with a harlot. And that's definitely a sin. He told her, what's your price? And she said, what wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? 17. And he said, I will send thee a kid of the goats from the flock. And she said, wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? So basically the flock is far away. They're not with him. He can't immediately give her a kid, which is a baby goat. So she says, you're going to have to let me have something that belongs to you until you bring me the kid. 18. And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet and thy cord and thy staff that is in thy hand. And he gave them to her and came in under her and she conceived by him. She asked for his signet ring, which is like the ring that he seals documents with, basically. It's his legal transaction ring. And she also wants the cord as a shepherd. And I forgot what shepherds use cords for, but it's a shepherd's tool and the staff that is in the hand. So it's the shepherd's staff. So she's asking for what he uses to do his job on a daily basis. 19. And she arose and went away and put off her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. So now after he has slept with her, she gets up and goes back home and puts her widow garments back on. It's so weird how their society was back then. But she needed a son so bad that even if Judah had to sleep with her now that he's single, it would be right for him to do so. So she wasn't actually doing prostitution because you'll see she doesn't take any money. 20. And Judah sent the kid of the goats by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. So Judah sent his business associate, another shepherd, back to where the woman was to give her the kid and get the shepherd's equipment back. But when the friend showed up at her tent, there was no tent. It was gone. And she was gone. And Judah's equipment was gone. 21. Then he asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the harlot that was at Enam by the wayside? And they said, There hath been no harlot here. So since they didn't see her and they knew there was no harlot in the area, they're like, We don't know what you're talking about. 22. And he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. And also the men of the place said, There hath been no harlot here. 23. And Judah said, Let her take it, lest we be put to shame. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. So Judah says, 
I don't want word to get around that I don't pay my debts, but we'll have to let her keep the ring, the staff, and the cord because she's got to have something. 24. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tomorrow thy daughter-in-law hath played the harlot, and moreover, behold, she is with child by harlotry. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Now, I don't think he's going to burn her alive. But I think he's going to kill her and then burn her body. You'll notice that in the Old Testament, often when they say hang somebody, they don't hang them alive they actually kill them first and then hang them. You'll see that in the book of Esther. And I think there's another place in the Old Testament where they kill, kill somebody first and then they hang them. 25. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man, whose are these? I am with child. She said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signet and the cords and the staff. So he was told that she got pregnant by being a prostitute. He called her to him so that he could kill her. And he's probably thinking, oh good, now we can get rid of this woman and we're not responsible for her anymore. But when she shows up, she goes, this is the man who made me pregnant, is the man who owns these things. And she showed him his own equipment. 26. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She is more righteous than I, for as much as I gave her not to Sheila, my son. And he knew her again no more. This means that Judah knew that she had done what she had to do to get what was rightfully hers, which was a child. And he was the one who had been wrong to deny her having a child. And he admitted this. He actually is repenting, going, She's more righteous than I am. So he didn't kill her, but he never slept with her again because the only reason that she slept with him in the first place was just to get a child. It wasn't because they were in love or because she needed a husband. She didn't need a husband. She only needed a child. Judah and her both understand that. So he just never slept with her again. But according to law, she was one of his wives. She's a part of the family, but she'll be celibate for the rest of her life, which is probably just fine with her. All she wanted was a son. 27. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. So God is giving her two. Hallelujah. 28. And it came to pass when she travailed that one put out a hand, and the midwife took and bound his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. So one twin's hand came out, and the midwife put a little scarlet around it, cord or string, and said, Oh, this is the first one. But then the hand went back in. 29. And it came to pass, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out. And she said, Wherefore hast thou made a breach for thyself? Therefore his name was called Perez. Perez means break forth. And what happened was Perez was the second son. He was behind the first son. The first son was at the bottom of the birth canal, ready to come out first. And his hand went out first. But then Perez evidently pulled him back and pushed in front of him in the birth canal. And got out first. So the son that was supposed to be second was born first. So his name is Breakforth. And that's the name Perez. And now here you realize that Perez is an ancient Israelite name. It's an ancient Hebrew name. All the Spanish people in the world who are named Perez are descendants of the Israelites. Because it was an Israelite name millennia before it was ever a Spanish name. This reminds you of Esau and Jacob, doesn't it? Because Esau came out first, but Jacob was holding on to his heel. It was a fight, and they fought the whole time they were in the womb. And then Jacob came out holding Esau's heel. Now we have two twins born in the kingly tribe, and the second son actually wins the battle and breaks forth out of the womb first before the firstborn son. 
So Perez actually became the firstborn by fighting his way through the birth canal. That's just amazing. But again, it goes back to when Jesus said in the New Testament, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. This theme is continuous throughout the entire Bible, and it's always about Jesus Christ because he is God and he is first, but he came to earth and made himself last to die for us. And if we die to ourselves, pick up our cross and make ourselves last, put the commands of God before our personal desires, believe on Jesus and follow him, then we will go to heaven and we will be princes and princesses in heaven and we'll be first. So it's pretty beautiful. 30. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. So this is the birth of Zerah and Perez. And Perez, as you would guess, he is the one in the line of Jesus Christ. And that is the end of Genesis chapter 38.